Hey, what's up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Lockdown Cavs podcast, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, coming to you a tad bit later on Tuesday, December 7th, but, you know, we're ever, your team every day. Today's show, we're going to talk about Cavs Bucks, which they lost on Monday night in Milwaukee, and we're going to talk about Dylan Windler, who was on assignment with the Cleveland Charge in a move that IMO makes a bunch of sense. That is all, again, coming up today on Lockdown Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. And by the way, thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every single day. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms. That include YouTube, where we want to get to 1,000 subscribers by Christmas. Give Evan I a Christmas present, and it's a free one, so do it. Are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need. And it can even help you negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Again, I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Evan, what's up, buddy? Not a whole lot, man. I am. Uh, it's a little, it's a little chilly today. You know, I uh, had to take the girlfriend to work, and I wore shorts and a North Face. And I, as soon as that first gust of lake wind hit me, I'm like, this was not the move. Especially because I had Burks on too. I, I was not equipped for Northeast Ohio weather. I was equipped for lounging around my apartment. But how are you, man? I'm doing good, doing good. Um, never, I, not not going on Twitter again, and we're gonna leave that whole thing at that. Twitter sucks. Don't use it. Unless hey you man, to. the Cavs are just one Colin Sexton away from being championship. I said members. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk <laughs> the, anymore. It's free advertising. That, that's you know, like they can pay like us tired and like that. I I can't think of the tired equivalent, but that is the wired equivalent, and I'm just like, oh, I gotta work this into the podcast, work it into my article i'm dropping tomorrow about where the Cavs currently stand in the grand dichotomy of the league but um Cavs bucks was it was a fun game for what it's worth i didn't expect the Cavs to win this one but it was it was enjoyable uh, i i think it's good to see the Cavs play a championship caliber team with arguably one of the best players in the league out there i think Giannis looked incredible i think chris looked really good I do think the Bucks are going to be okay with it. Yeah, you look great. Um, I think the Bucks are going to be okay without Lopez. Uh, Drew Holiday is a maniac. I love watching him play, but him on Milwaukee, just so good. But, yeah, man, just it's okay. In the grand scheme of things, like I said, when they lost to Utah, the Cavs aren't going to go 72-10. and 10. They also aren't going to go 71-11. and 11. So let's shoot for 70-12, and 12, I guess. <laughs> I, I think you look at this game, um, which, again, the Cavs lose. They they had a nice rally in the second half to make it close for a bit. It got within two points with about seven minutes to go, and then Milwaukee kind of re-pulled away. Milwaukee ends up winning 112-104. to um, All the Bucks had three, their big three, Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, all have 20 points or more. Jared Allen had 25 for the Cavs. Larry Markin had 20 for the Cavs. Darius Garland had 10 on 3 of 12 shooting. Evan Mobley had 12 on 3 of 10 shooting. And Kevin Love had 15 off the bench on 5 of 11 shooting, all from three-point range. Um, we're gonna do What we're going to do here is big takeaway and then some of our little notes. Evan, my big takeaway is just that winning against one of the league's best teams and the defending NBA champions is hard on the second end of a back-to-back, where I think clearly, in especially in Garland's case, going up against Drew Holiday after he played 35 minutes the night before, and that game was 
a lot was very intense. That Cavs Jazz game was incredibly intense. The Bucks had a day off. Like this had like I don't think the Cavs would like beat the Bucks on a normal night where everything is is even and things are never exactly even. You just kind of kind of play what's in front of you. But I think for the Cavs in this one, you're coming off the second night of a back to back. You're playing a team that has been very good all year when they've had Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, the three best players. They're doing as well as you like. They're doing better than I might have expected without um, Brooke Lopez right now. Is out with a back injury. Like back surgery. this cat back surgery. Excuse me. Who's going to be out a while? And they just you know Boogie Cousins is like a new addition for them. This is just a new reality yeah. for me when I look at what the Cavs sort of were going into. It's like oh, this game's going to be hard to win, and it was. And they made it competitive because it seemed kind of just plays hard and will be kind of annoying to play. It seems like that's just like an actual trait. But winning this game in the second half of the back-to-back wasn't expected. I I just think you looked at Garland, you looked at Mobley in particular, and those two guys looked like a little little fatigued as they kind of navigated this. Yeah, they do. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game actually has to kind of go hand-in-hand, especially with the Garland factor here. Jokes aside, yes, the Cavs do miss Colin Sexton, but it became kind of clear at points last night because Darius was looking a little gassed because the Cavs played eight deep against Utah the night before. They went down to the wire against the Jazz and were one possession away from possibly winning that game. So the Cavs definitely looked a little gassed, and especially in the second half against Milwaukee, but the defensive pressure that Darius Garland was facing last night, like the Bucks understood the assignment. I think if you shut down Darius Garland, you kind of shut down the effectiveness. Like they, they couldn't fully shut him down in terms of playmaking. Like he got easy looks to, he got easy looks to Allen. Um, I think the Bucks kind of dared Mobley to shoot three pointers a little bit because they didn't expect him to make them. It's just, you need that secondary offensive threat in the backcourt to kind of limit the pressure on Darius defensively because if he is getting the clamps put on him like he was against Drew Holiday, you need somebody else to create some offense. And I think the Cavs tried to do that by playing a little bit of Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio was off as well. He looked a little gassed last night too. This Cavs team just looked tired. And, I mean, I didn't expect them to win this game. It is what it is. Uh, But it's pretty clear, like, they can take some pages from Milwaukee for in terms of like if they are hellbent and determined to continue playing big, whether it's with Markinen, Mobley and Allen, or even throwing a Coro into the mix, like watching Boogie Cousins just eat them alive, like carve them up by posting them up, or watching Bobby Portis be effective. I mean Giannis is a huge outlier because he is a one of one type player, but Evan Mobley has the potential to be like that. I am curious to see the trajectory of this Cavs team, but the way and how physical the Bucks play is definitely a style I think the Cavs could adapt to their offensive repertoire, especially if JB is really hell and determined to say, like, oh, well, the, we're going to impose our will on a night-to-night basis on the interior and then let the threes spray from there because teams will have to pack the paint against us. So I, I think there's definitely some learning they can pull from the Bucks, and I think if the Cavs tr- – like, I could – visualize Cleveland like hitting that Milwaukee apex one day if like Mobley hits if Garland hits if Allen hits and like they hit their upper percentile like yeah Giannis is a freaking nature I think if Giannis didn't even play last night I think the the, the Cavs had a, t- a tough chance against this Milwaukee team but yeah I, I don't know there's like some notes I've been taking away like the, the Cavs could learn a lot from their last three opponents including Chicago tomorrow like there's some lessons and notes they could take if they really want to build their team and become like a legitimate playoff threat going forward yeah I I think that is like a 
I think in the moment that's I think it's certainly we're a little that's like a very for me like a very big picture thing, right? I think oh, yeah, still, I'm looking like now yeah. and then I'm like, okay, well Utah plays with the smaller backcourt and they play with size on the interior and on the wings, but they have shooting, defense, yeah. playmaking, like there's stuff Cleveland can take from that. Milwaukee plays physically. Uh, Chicago is a team that has a lot of young, promising talent, but they accumulated their assets and went all in on this. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff Cleveland can pull from those three, which I think is encouraging. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. I think also just like the Bucks are, the Cavs are still at the beginning mm-hmm. to some degree, and they're not close to a finished product. There's not really anyone on this team that I would describe. Like, Kevin Love is sort of, and Ruby are sort of in their own category. Yeah, they um, have, like, over 10 years of experience yeah. that, that they're different. Yeah, and, like, everyone else is, like, I think relatively unfinished. The other thing I just want to note is a Rubio thing, because I think the Sexton thing is worth noting, in, in I think, in this specific context, because Rubio has... I think cooled off as a score. You are seeing him take still the same kind of shots he was taking, the same kind of shots he's taking when he gets hot. Evan, since um, he, I'm gonna run you through. He, since he went three of 19 on on November 7th, that was that game in New York where the Cavs won by 17. He was incredible in that one. He was six of 15 the next night, two of nine the next night, four of seven after that, then nine of 20, eight of 17, four of 15, four of 12. 5 of 20, 1 of 6, 3 of 11, 1 of 5, 3 of 11, 6 of 11, and lastly, 2 of 9. He has not been as hot as he was to start the year. He has been basically the opposite in a lot of ways um, since that game. You know, he the, like he had 15 against the Jazz, but he the last several games it's been 7. Uh, it's been it was 7, 6, 7, 15, and 7. Um, you know, since again that twenty, like he had that really big night. Like it's just not been Rubio at the score. Like yeah. that guy is never really what he's been. The Cavs like kind of just are crying out for like a shot maker, and Rubio is taking some of them sort of by default. But that has not ever been what he's good at. Nope. I think there are some like alterations you need to make to kind of like massage this. I think like maybe some more Jetty minutes, even though like he wasn't you know good. I don't think particularly good last night either. Like you have some trickiness here to kind of navigate and as much as like i think rubio has been helpful to this team like you see some of the limitations of what he does i think when you your offense is just kind of like crying out for someone to do stuff and like rubio like pull up threes are not exactly like quality offense so this is this is just like a tricky thing to admit this is this is just the reality of what i think this roster is like sexton was obviously navigating a different role he was navigating uh playing more off ball you know scoring less and everything but like a guy to kind of at least take some of these shots would be helpful even if like that was a that's a very simplified way of describing what he does and what he was doing um like this team is just missing something in that regard as far as like just kind of being a more functional offensive team yeah and i think against particularly against a team like the bucks were like you are never going to just be able to defense them out of this game, right? It was very clear, like, Drew Holiday, when Jetty Osmond was guarding him, could get whatever shots he wanted and get into the paint and find the open guy. Giannis had a big strength advantage, you know, when when he was guarded by Mobley and, and did some work on South. Middleton didn't have his best night, but was still getting to his spots. Like, they were not going to defend their way into a win against a team like Milwaukee. That wasn't going to happen. So how they navigate this going forward, and again, they'll have some easier games, like even the Bulls game on Wednesday, Dramar DeRozan's in the COVID-19 protocols. Caruso is dealing with a hamstring injury. Like that's probably not going to be a full-strength Bulls team. So that's perhaps a more winnable game. What? The, that Bulls team did beat the bricks off the Nuggets last night. 
Correct. They did. But I'm saying, like, no DeRo- Like, I'm just saying, on paper, yeah, on, no DeRozan, no Caruso is in, in a vacuum an easier game I, at home when you've had it. I off. just think that the Rubio point is a very true, and I think he's regressing back to the mean of what he actually is. I think the Olympic hot streak, and I think him just coming in hot to the season, he's just kind of cooling off, like you said, and just becoming... The, the Ricky Rubio that if, everyone knows if, at this yeah. point. When the Cavs say they want, like, Spanish team Rubio, that is a Rubio that has never actually existed in the NBA for an extended period nope. of time. Anyway, Evan, no, let's, ta- let's also resume the this ca- after the Yeah, break. the Cavs are also regressing back to the mean is my point, too. Like, I think they're starting to head back towards what I expected them to be. A little higher than my expectation. I still think they'll be in, like, the contention for the play-in, but, like, this is a tough week. And then they get Minnesota, who is by no means is an easy out. Then they get Sacramento, and I haven't looked that far ahead down their schedule. But they play the Rockets, who are surprisingly red hot right now. But you know what else makes me red hot, Chris? Mm-hmm. Trial renewal without that renew without my that, trials that renew without my consent. Nailed it. And you know who can help us out? Today's sponsor, Truebill. Did, did you know, folks, that free trials renew without your consent like i just said it's a business scam out to get you do not let greedy corporations pocket your money so download truebill today to take control of your subscriptions truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need want or simply forgot about on average people save up to 720 big ones a year with truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel truebill makes it incredibly simple just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Did you know, Chris, that Truebill has saved over 2 million users and helped them save $100 million? It's pretty neat. I did. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you're stressing about that, those tr- those trials renewing without your consent, you might need to unwind with Theragun. And also, it might help you take off the stress in the, of daily life, life that weighs on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, not an elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free is hard. And Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen makes the design and makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. All right, let's continue a little bit more on Cavs Bucks. Evan, do you have any other like small minor takeaways from this one that we haven't touched on? Well, I mean, other than Darius looking gassed and Drew Holiday kind of putting him in prison. I thought, I mean, yeah, Jetty was a bit of a mess at times last night, but for some reason, for whatever it's worth, he was a key figure in sparking this Cavs team and kind of had keeping them hanging in there in the fourth quarter. Like, this Bucks team kind of felt like they were cruising throughout this. It didn't feel like Milwaukee really 
was losing this game. Like the the Cavs would no. get close, and then Milwaukee would just like flip the switch for third, like a couple possessions, and just like stretch the lead back out to ten or twelve points. And like there's just that back and forth of that. But like Osman, for what it's worth, like did not have a great night shooting wise. One of eight from three, three of eleven overall from the floor. But like those three steals in the fourth quarter were a big momentum shifter. And I do agree. Like I think the Cavs need to find that shot creator coming off the bench for them because right now it's Darius Garland, and then he's Darius Garland setting up Larry Markin or sorry, in Larry Markin and, and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And since Rubio's cooled off, maybe they lean more on Osmond. And I don't know. I saw some encouraging stuff from Jetty through all the muckiness, and that's just kind of one of my smaller takeaways. Yeah, I, I think Jetty like still prov- like he will provide some positive things and like he will he's one of the few guys on the team that I think will just sort of make plays sometimes in a way that you kind of need sometimes. He's sort of weirdly dynamic, um, and everything. I, I thought it was notable that Isaac Okor only played eighteen minutes. I think you could be seeing like a like maybe not like him removed, but I think dialing him back with a little more Jetty, even if he continues to start, might be a thing we see. Um, he just looks, I, I think he looks very uncomfortable on offense more than he looks unskilled. And I, th- I wonder if we're going to see him get some time to just kind of navigate this cleanly. It's, it's a hard thing to do in season, but, um, he, see, the he problem didn't is, play well, particularly yeah, no, Isaac Okoro just hasn't been great offensively. Like JB Bickerstaff was asked about that pregame and he said, He's not too worried about it. He encourages Isaiah to keep shooting it, but it's becoming more and more evident that teams don't respect the Cavs offensively when Isaac is floating on the perimeter. It's it's four on five, essentially, when the Cavs play offense at that point. And like the Cavs have tried to find ways to get Isaac more involved, and there's times you see, like, okay, he's feeling a little better from that hamstring injury. But I, I'm just curious who the Cavs supplant his minutes with because it, – I, I, I just don't know who the option is because it's clearly not Dylan it's, Windler. Well, it's probably well, Osman, well, but... Yeah, I think, like, Jetty playing more isn't, like, a bad solution, If but JB's, like, interest in that um, is perhaps, like, we'll see how far he wants to extend that. I think he's kind of wisely slowly dial up the Jetty after Jetty was really bad last year, and I think there was some, some lack of trust in what Jetty kind of provided after last year. Yeah. Where, um, but th- it's just this is a thing worth monitoring, and as we'll talk about, I think with Windler kind of in more detail, it's very hard at times. The development of players in the league can get very tricky when a like you level up in a way, and you're just like squeezing on these margins, and it's very hard sometimes to like just find enough space to kind of figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, I will say Kevin Love just like looking very good in a lot of ways in this one, like very engaged through an incredible pass in this one to get in this is just like whipped the ball down. I think Jared Allen for Jared Allen, like get a dunk against five of 11 from three in his 20 in his about 20 minutes, like was not good on Sunday, looked good and fresh and engaged in this one, which is, which is, continues to be a positive sign. Interesting to you that basically like, I, I think that Jared Allen um, just, like we'll try to dunk like watching him in boogie like and boogie isn't like peak boogie anymore now the achilles is you know? really slowing him down yeah like yeah the various injuries he's had have really hampered what he what he was back like when he was in sacramento or when he got to new orleans but like still a very physical like grinding dude and like i enjoyed watching him and jared allen just kind of like squabble inside at times like mm-hmm. i think jared allen is like underratedly kind of a physical dude and that that was fun I had fun with that kind of entanglement and Portis is also like very intense and you could also see like Mobley like having to navigate a very intense kind of 
you know, grinding set it on the other side a little bit. This is just, a, I mean, one of those games where I think you just look at this and I go, okay, the Cavs on the second night of a back-to-back. The Bucks shot it much better and felt in control the whole game. Like how this ended up with the Cavs, like shooting under 40% from the field, 32% from three. The Bucks were just like much better across the board and kind of controlled the game even when the Cavs got it close. Like they called that Tim out and then it was kind of just kind of over from there. Like this this game just kind of felt like it had a very clear flow to me. So I don't really like feel like I learned a ton other than some of like these. Like I think the Okoro minutes is maybe that and just like Garland looking a little tired and that kind of stagnating the offense as Rubio doesn't shoot well. I think those are kind of the only two things that I kind of look at and say, oh, this, this kind of maybe we should monitor this in some detail going forward. Yeah, I think that's definitely worth monitoring. Um, I, I, I question JB's approach sometimes where he coaches every game. It's not very tactical sometimes with how he handles back-to-backs where he kind of just goes all in on the first game of a back-to-back. Like, I, I admire the Cavs grinding and calling the way back against Utah, but when that game is out of reach, I do wonder with how gassed, especially some of these younger players looked, if maybe JB just pulled the cord on this a little earlier against Utah and just took a loss and maybe tried again against Milwaukee. I do wonder about that because JB just kind of plays like every game, like he, they're in there to win, which I respect, but there's some tactical stuff to that. But the Coral stuff is definitely worth monitoring. Um I'm intrigued to see how they handle that going forward. I wonder if he's going to have a short leash, if he's just off in a liability offensively. Like, yeah, you can provide so much on the other end of the floor, but if you only provide us 50% of what the team needs, uh, yeah. And so it's that, and I'm also interested to see who steps up in the event that happens. Like, would you be opposed to Lamar Stevens getting more minutes over Isaac? I mean, if well, Lamar Stevens hit. I, hey, I he think was two like four from three last night. Yeah, well, just two more I, I than Isaac Coro made. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and they look good. I think I would just say that it's for me. It's it's more of the rotation. Maybe like shouldn't be like seven dudes with like a like eight dudes with like a splash of like a guy playing eleven minutes. Yeah. Like I wonder if like just extending the rotation some to play more dudes is probably more of a sustainable answer. It's kind of a cop out, but the issue in but itself I wonder is if who like, do they play Denzel Valentine because Dean Wade is slowly. No, I mean I think back. you could. I think you could like instead of playing like Mobley like like the or like Market in thirty four minutes, dial him back to thirty and get Lamar up to like fifteen. Oh. Like I think that's just like a sustainable thing to kind of help guys stay fresh. Okay. Um, as we kind of go on here, that that is just like a, a thing for me where I just look at it and it's like. I, there, there is also just like a fatigue thing that I will, I think will be worth watching. Like not, not necessarily as much now, but like March, April, things like that. So, you know what else is worth watching though, yeah. Chris? These ad reads. Well, yeah, if they're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. Anyway, I got to tell everyone about our friends at Boost Mobile, new sponsor of the show. Look, you listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone. That's right, a free 5G phone. So you can listen to all of the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And you can also get the power of one of America's largest 5G networks. You can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy a3 a32 5g when you switch to one of america's largest 5g networks more power to save that's boost mobile 
Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers slash coverage not available everywhere or for all phones slash network. See boostmobile.com for details. All right, Evan. Um, let's go to Dylan Windler, who is on assignment with the Cleveland Charge. Goes down. He will play as well on Wednesday uh, for the Cleveland Charge. He came off the bench in this game, uh, wearing number 10 instead of his number 9 because number 9 is worn by uh, Norval Perel for for the charge. Didn't play well, I would say. Nah. But here's here's my take. Here's, like, my firm take on this. Dylan Windler is someone who just, like, needs to play some basketball right now. Dylan Windler ha- is a, the idea of Dylan Windler, the spacing guy who – uh, can provide some needed shooting and, and kind of just fill a, a needed role on this Cavs team, provide some missing stuff for this team. The idea of him has obviously been much better than I think what the reality is. Yeah. But what he but what he kind of gets a chance to do here is he gets to play 24 minutes. That's more than he's played at any point this year. Mm-hmm. He gets he took seven shots, he had eight rebounds, two assists. He was in the game late. He gets to shake off some of the rust. He gets to kind of develop himself a little bit in a way that he just isn't getting a chance to at the NBA level because he's just not getting the play minutes. For comparison, I want to just this. I was doing. I wrote about this for Forbes. You can go read it. Um, so he has played coming into as of going into last night. Obviously, he didn't play in the NBA last night. He's played 667 total NBA minutes since he got drafted in 2019. Okay, that's obviously because of the the various injuries he's had, the pandemic screwed with things. There's there's a lot of like reasons for that. But by comparison, Isaac Okora played 2173 minutes last year as a rookie in a shortened COVID season where he appear, appeared in 67 of 72 games. Dylan Windler is basically just like not been able to play consistent basketball after playing 30 minutes a game every single year for the, his last 3 years at Belmont and was a 20 minute a game guy as a freshman. He has basically like gone from being like playing lots of basketball probably his entire life and never camping injured to basically losing like a bunch of time and like that is just a really really tricky thing I think for for anyone to navigate. Where he is at now for me is is kind of just an unknown, but I think for him if they're willing to let him go there for and even if they need to yo-yo him, I think that's doable. You have Valentine and Stevens and, and stuff. Like, you can make do with the wings you have at the NBA level right now. Like you can make do with what you have up there and kind of get through, but depth-wise, I think. I think if you're going to salvage whatever Windler is and he is going to be something for you, this is a path to do so. Yeah. I think you just – it's that, and I think you need to normalize the stigma associated with sending a player on assignment to the G League to rehab. Because, like, verbatim, literally, this is, JB said that there's a lack of opportunities, there's a lack of consistency, there's a lack of normalcy for Dylan when it comes to riding the pine at the Cavs. Like, he isn't guaranteed minutes on a night-to-night basis, whether it's garbage time or that one game about a week or two ago where he really bounced back and... I started monitoring his stats and just went back down again. So this is just a good opportunity for him to get some burn, get some rust. Dan Jarrow's running the same exact system the Cavs run, albeit with, like, lesser talented players, sure. But, I mean, it's still basketball that the Cavs are playing, and, like, they're playing back-to-back against the Iowa Wolves. I'll be at the game tonight, Tuesday, when they take on the Wolves again, just to see how Dylan Windler's progressing and everything. And I think I think it's tough. I think, again, the idea of Dylan Windler is really impactful for the Cavs. 
I just think injuries have taken their toll. I think lower leg injuries, like the ones he's dealt with, are really tricky to navigate and hard to recover from. And I think there's like a confidence in reliability. It's not just the physical recovery, it's the mental recovery as well. Because every time you suffer an injury that sets you back when you think you're going to get back out there, it takes its toll. And I think that's just tough. I empathize with Dylan a lot, but I think this is a great opportunity. And I think people need to stop freaking out thinking like, oh my god, a first-round pick got sent down to the G League. No, this is the 26 overall pick. Yes, with the power of hindsight, the Cavs should have taken Keldon Johnson based on the Shams Trani and draft blunder. But this is where we're at now. And I think this is a good opportunity and it's something worth watching. And I think he should get more than just two games with the charge. I think he should play maybe 10, 15 games with the charge and really condition himself and like i said the Cavs then will have like a solid sample size of data and footage to say okay this is where dylan Wendler's at and this is what we're working with so i think the point about like lack of normalcy and all that i think is really just sort of at the root of this because the Cavs are in a position where they are better than perhaps like expected right like they're above 500 and now they have real playing aspirations you see this even, I think, with Okoro, too, because, like, if, if, you, if you're going to give these younger guys, like, a limited leeway to just figure stuff out, you would just let them play 30 minutes a night and make mistakes and go be more akin to what the Rockets or, or the Magic are doing, right? Mm-hmm. You'd try to create structure, but you would also just let your young guys play. Dylan Windler is not in a spot where, like, the Cavs... Like, JB clearly doesn't feel like they have the leeway to do their own. He's going to go... He's going to try to win games. There's probably something, like, he wants to make sure he keeps his job as well by winning actual basketball games for the first time. Like, that that is all p- kind of playing into this. And, I like, Windler is a guy that gets squeezed out of that because he's not, like, a former top... He's not a former, like, high, high pick. He's a former late first-round pick who's had bad injury issues, who hasn't, like, shown enough in the flashes you've seen from him to make it worth your while to just burn him 20 minutes tonight and let him play into comfortability. The G League is a path for him to do this. Mm-hmm. The other part of this that I think is is a sign of where this the G League could be going as a, as a tool for teams is that, A, Danger Rowe was on the Cavs staff, He's worked with Dylan Windler before. Mm-hmm. He's familiar with Dylan Windler. The systems are similar. Not everything is exactly the same, obviously, because the personnel is different and everything, but like there is overlap there. The transition for Windler to go down now, and it obviously being in Cleveland instead of, let's say, Canton, even though that's not far, it's like it's still just more convenient. Like the the way to do this is a little bit cleaner now than it might have even been when and when when Winler was younger and he did have a brief brief stint in the G League before he had to get had to shut it down at one point. So I think all of this just kind of like to me this makes sense. And look again, you have like there Denzel Valentine is not like an actual rotation player for you, right? But if you have like a game where like let's say Okora sprains his ankle or like Stevens sprains his ankle or like you have one of these guys misses an off night or like Dean Wade and Dean Wade continues to be out. You can just like, you can make do for a couple nights Mm -hmm. with 10 minutes of Denzel Valentine standing in the corner and playing defense. Yeah. As Dylan Windler can like maybe play 30 minutes a night for the charge. Yep. Like that, that to me is like, I would rather Dylan Windler get it. If he's going to succeed in the NBA, he just like needs to play. And if this gets him a chance where they can collect data on him and understand him better, and he can get into a rhythm and look comfortable on the court for the first time. And it would feels like a long time to me because to me, he looks timid and uncomfortable. Like even in the charge game, I didn't think he looked exactly like in the flow of what was going on. Like this is to me a, a more realistic way of getting him to a spot where you can actually feel like, you know, look, they picked up his contract option for next year. It is not like, 
you know, debilitating. It is like a few million dollars that they can add onto a trade if they need to aggregate salary. But like ultimately, like he's not a guy that is baked into the long term plans here, right? Yep. But this is a guy that like you theoretically like will have on the roster next year. So like I think if you're gonna like play still a bit of a long game here and you should be, this is a way to develop him and, and try to to get something out of him. I, I think this is just I, I think like people that seem to be reacting to saying this is bad, I think are kind of missing the forest for the truth. Yeah. But I think the Cavs were dead on and sending him to the G. Yeah, they absolutely were. This is something you and I have been advocating for a while too, so I feel like when the news dropped, I wasn't necessarily surprised. I think JV's made it explicitly clear he wants to utilize the charge being more or less their next door neighbors as a rehab tool as an option to help the players that maybe need extra minutes bounce back or players who aren't getting time and exposure on the roster opportunities to bounce back like the Cavs clearly still believe in Dylan Winler they picked up his contract option for next season so like there's still a little bit of time here but as well I'm and if I'm gonna I'll, I'll be I'll play the cynic here just for a second you pick up that contract option because it's, it's a like trade. a very cheap it's salary. A chip. Well. It's We've not just about that. Yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not exactly like we believe. Like they will say publicly, we believe in this guy, but there's there's a cap reason you do that as well. No, I I know, but as Nick Trezino said uh, on Fear the Sword, like he's running out of Dylan Miller's running out of time, and the Cavs should do right by him, give him as many opportunities as possible to show that he still has some NBA merit because it may not be with Cleveland, it could be with another team. And this is just an overall bummer of a story because I still remember that half-court three-pointer he made in the Salt Lake City Summer League. And I'm like, okay, the Cavs, the Cavs have a little something here. And then it's just been just a continuous downward spiral with a couple like blips every now and then. Like if this was uh, Secret Base's collapse, like that would be the apex, and we just see like a gradual decline of like a couple jumps every now and then, just to slow down the gradual descent into nothing. Windler in Utah was like just taking threes and like was willing to just shoot whenever he was open and like that guy doesn't exist right yeah, now. Yeah, he's a shell of himself. And I'm That's sure how he was at Belmont too. Yeah. And I'm sure there's something to the fact that he has played very little basketball for basically like three years. Yep. There's just something to that. It's to me. the mental hurdles you have to get over because remember when his first theoretic, like one of his first few games back, he went up for a big dunk and like landed a little weirdly. I held my breath when that happened, and that I think you asked him about it post game. He's just like, "Yeah, I was, a, mm-hmm. I was, I was a little nervous, but I felt okay." Because like you're like, it, it's different. I don't know if folks have suffered like a lower leg injury, but when that happens, you don't necessarily trust your body at first because mentally you don't think your bones are gonna break or you're gonna deal with an injury where you have to completely recover and learn how to walk and function again. So, like, there's a little bit of, like, nervousness when you're doing some, like, normal, what you would perceive as normal tasks until it kind of becomes routine. And, unfortunately, it never becomes routine for Dylan Winler because he doesn't play. Yeah. All right. That's going to be it. We'll talk maybe perhaps more about Windler, um, on tomorrow's show as he plays again. We'll kind of at least update you on what he's doing, or at least we'll try to, depending on when we, we get to recording. Um, we'll be back after Cavs Bulls uh, as well later in the week for because we'll, the Cavs are getting that game at home on Wednesday. We should book friend of the season's kind of flying by. Best Cleveland beat writer Ashley Bastock because she'll be at the game on Wednesday. That's true. Yeah, we'll have to. We have, we have some like scheduling we need to do, do. To, to context you know, but at least I do. Anyway, everyone, be well. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, thanks for tuning in a little bit later on this Tuesday, December seventh. Oh, play the outro video, Chris, you dummy.